Remembering when the editor of the Reader's Digest came to Carlow. Article by Charlie Keegan. Thirty years ago in the summer of 1991, Robin Hosey, editorial director of the prestigious Reader's Digest, came to County Carlow as part of a book project promoting Ireland. Part of the English publishing chief's brief was to write about the glories and beauty of the Leinster Ridge. The 356-page book was subsequently published in early 1992 and devoted 45 pages to the Leinster Ridge, which included six pages concerning County Carlow. The book title was Reader's Digest Illustrated Guide to Ireland, subtitled A Companion to the Emerald Isle. The book was an offshoot of Reader's Digest, the American general interest magazine published ten times a year, founded in 1922 and based in Midtown Manhattan. In order to get a handle on what the Dolman County had to offer in terms of its historic sites, personalities and buildings of interest, Robin Hosey was referred to historian Martin Nevin, Carlow Road, Lachlan Bridge, who at that time was chairman of Carlow Viana, the annual journal of the old Carlow Society, the OCS. Martin Nevin and Robin Hosey met up in the Lord Bagnall in Lachlan Bridge to plot their portrayal of the country's second smallest county in terms of geographical size and the smallest inland county on the island. It is notable that six pages of the Reader's Digest book was devoted to Carlow, compared with five for neighbouring Kilkenny, an indication of the treasures on offer within the county which bear the colours of yellow, green and red. A random selection of the many splendid photographs contained within those six pages includes Altamont Gardens, Ballon, the Cigar Divan at 50 Dublin Street representing a 19th century shop front, the capstone of Browns Hill Dolman, the remains of an early Christian church at Kiluchderan Boris, a splendid photo of Huntington Castle, Clonigal, Minaviogs, Bagnallstown's courthouse, a portrait of Arthur McMurray Kavna, 1831-1889, from Burris House, born without arms or legs, and who went on to represent both County Wexford and County Carlow as a Conservative member of the Westminster Parliament, a drawing of Irish chieftain Art McMurray, a photo of Captain Miles Keogh from Orchard House, Lachlan Bridge, a man of immense bravery and member of the U.S. 7th Cavalry, who died as part of General George Armstrong Custer's last stand at the Battle of the Little Big Horn, Montana, on the 25th of June, 1876, and St. Mullins Church, which was the burial place of the Kings of Leinster. A Vision of Versailles was a heading in the book on County Carlow. That referenced Minaviog Bagnallstown, described as a quiet canal-side town noting that the dream of a new Versailles did not become a reality. The book explains. William Bagnall of nearby Dunleckney Manor founded the town in the 18th century when it was known as Bagnallstown. He planned it to be a hub of commerce with buildings to vie with the finest of classical times and made an encouraging start with a number of imposing buildings, including a stately courthouse modelled on the Parthenon in Athens. Bagnall planned to call his town Versailles after the palace of France's son, King Louis XIV. But the idea came to nothing, like the rest of his plans. For Bagnall thought he could bring a coach road through the town, but the discussion went against him. 
Bagnallstown became a backwater, saved only by the arrival of the railway in the mid-19th century. Its neoclassical railway is almost as impressive as the courthouse. Today, 20th century buildings block the view of the courthouse, but it is still possible to catch an occasional glimpse of Bagnall's vision of the town that might have been. The best view is from beside the canal on the road from Lachlan Bridge. The vista includes the spire of St Andrew's Catholic Church and the fine tower of the 1841 St Mary's Church of Ireland building added in 1855. The townspeople voted to change the town's name to Munivyog, pronounced Mune Beg, or Little Shrubbery in the 1950s, but many locals still refer to it as Bagnallstown. Dunleckney Manor, built in 1835 a mile northeast of Bagnallstown, incorporates the original manor of 1610 and was designed in the Tudor Gothic style with oriel windows. It has been restored to its former glory and is now open to visitors. In dealing with the history of Old Lachlan, the book notes the stubby crenellated tower of the 13th century St. Lazarian Protestant Cathedral and nearby is the site of a 7th century monastery and Lazarian's Well, a place of pilgrimage that after 13 centuries still attracts offerings of medals, crucifixes and rosary beads. The book also referenced the Carey family who run the public house across the road from the cathedral, which claims to be the oldest single-family pub in Ireland, a claim it had to refute since they have been publicans since 1542. Moving to the east of the county, the focus in the book fell on Huntington Castle, Clonigal. It states, The elegance of Huntington Castle, built at Clonigal in 1625 by Lord Esmond, caught the eye of director Stanley Kubrick, who chose it as the location for his 1975 film, Barry Lyndon. The castle occupies the site of a monastery, of which little remains, except a 600-year-old yew walk, the branches curving over to form a long, cool tunnel. A vine that grows vigorously in the conservatory comes from a cutting that was given to Anne Boleyn, 1507-36, by Cardinal Wolsey. The castle was occupied by Cromwell's men in the 1640s, but its dungeon was used as recently as 1921, when the IRA, who occupied the castle briefly, locked up a number of people, including a cook. For those who like their history spiced with a little mystery, Huntington also offers connections with the Egyptian goddess Isis. The Reverend Lawrence Durden Robertson founded the Fellowship of Isis in 1976, along with his wife and his sister. Shrines to the goddess have been set up in the castle's cellars. In the passage of the book relating to Michel nestling at the foot of Mount Leinster, the Reader's Digest says the village contains a surprise a church that is reminiscent of Salisbury Cathedral in Wilshire, England. It was built by an Englishman, John Ducid of Dover, around the graves of his wife and daughter. The piece continues. His daughter Constance was on a holiday when she met a young man from a Carlow family, the Cornwall Bradys, and fell in love. Tragedy struck when Constance was killed in the 1890s in a hunting accident. Her dying wish was to be buried in the old churchyard in Michel in the land she loved, near the man she loved. Her father carried out her wish and raised a statue over her grave. Mrs. Ducid died in 1903, and her last wish was to be buried beside her daughter. The distraught Mr. Ducid decided to build a memorial church over both graves. 
he took Salisbury Cathedral as his model, redesigning it as a church. Fine craftsmanship abounds from the Art Nouveau floor tiles and the font to the muted greens, russet and silver of the stained glass windows. One of Michel's famous sons was Peter Fenlon Collier, 1849-1909, the founder of Collier's magazine and illustrated General Weekly. He arrived in the United States penniless at the age of 16 and completed his education at a seminary. Starting with a borrowed $35, he was the first man to sell books on the installment plan. Collier eventually built a publishing empire worth $12 million. Remarkably, there is little or no mention of Carlo Town or Tullo in the Reader's Digest book. Perhaps Robin Hosey had to formulate a set of priorities for the available space in the publication. Martin Nevin and Robin Hosey formed a strong friendship during the editorial director's visit to Ireland, and Hosey subsequently sent Martin a letter of thanks for all the information the Lachlan historian had provided on what was the Englishman's first visit to Ireland. There's an interesting tailpiece to this story. In January 1992, Robin Hosey flew into Dublin Airport for the launch of the Reader's Digest book, which was launched by the tourism minister of the day, the late Seamus Brennan. The man from the Digest and a colleague were charged £17 by a Dublin taxi driver, the fare being from the airport to the Westbury Hotel. The normal fee was £11. The story was picked up and highlighted at the time by the Irish Independent under the heading Taxi Bill Shocks Digest Chief. Happily, the experience in no way put off Robin Hosey and his affection for the Emerald Isle and his happy memories of County Carlow. Your Soapbox by Dr. Ronan Glynn COVID-19 Vaccines Work In recent weeks, we have seen increased commentary both nationally and internationally relating to infections in people who have been fully vaccinated. It is important when analysing the data that they are placed in the context of the proportion of the whole population who have been vaccinated. Uptake of vaccination has been remarkably high in Ireland and continues to increase. As vaccination rates increase, there will be more vaccinated and fewer unvaccinated people in the population. As a result, the proportion of cases in vaccinated people will increase. For example, if all of the population were to get vaccinated, then clearly 100% of COVID-19 cases would be in those who had been vaccinated. This does not mean that vaccines are not working. A good way to think about this is in relation to road safety. The majority of people who die on our roads are wearing a safety belt. This does not mean that safety belts do not work. It simply reflects the fact that the vast majority of people wear safety belts when driving and, unfortunately, some will be involved in accidents. However, for each individual, the risk of a severe injury or dying in that accident is much lower if they are wearing a safety belt. While the proportion of cases in vaccinated people will increase, we can be confident that the absolute number of cases in vaccinated people will decrease over time. We have already seen this in older age groups. For example, while 67% of cases in those who are 65 years and older in the last fortnight have been in people who reported having received two vaccines, 
the absolute number of cases in this age group, 764, is much less than in previous waves. A similar disease profile last February, for example, resulted in 3,379 cases over a two-week period in the same age group. When we see cases in vaccinated people, we need to remember what we are not seeing. What we don't see is the many more infections, hospitalizations, and deaths that have been prevented by vaccination. Of course, no vaccine is 100% protective, and some people who have been fully vaccinated will still get infected with and get sick from COVID-19. However, the individual risk of a serious illness or death is much lower than if they had not been vaccinated. This is reflected in our ICU and mortality data. Of the 169 adults admitted to ICU with COVID-19 since the 1st of April, six have been fully vaccinated more than 14 days prior to their diagnosis. Of the 155 adults who have died with COVID-19 since the 1st of April, seven had been fully vaccinated more than 14 days prior to their diagnosis. Vaccines work. They are about 80% effective at preventing symptomatic COVID-19 disease and they provide approximately 95% protection against hospitalization. And this protection against severe disease holds up even in the context of the Delta variant. The COVID-19 vaccination program has shown not only the best of scientific and medical endeavour, but also commendable solidarity by those who have come forward to receive a vaccine for the good of themselves and their wider community. Of course, while uptake has been fantastic, there are many who have not yet taken the opportunity to get protected through vaccination. For those who remain unsure, have questions or concerns, access information through your GP or pharmacist, look at the information available on the hse.ie or ask questions at HSE Live. Dr. Ronan Glynn is the Deputy Chief Medical Officer at the Department of Health.